Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Unkind Rewind Movie Thoughts and Pot Shots. Tonight we have. I'm, I do the. In- okay, Matt. Matt. And our lovely <laughs> guest, who's always is now going on the payroll officially. Kalina. And I'm Blake. Oh, I get it. I get it. Uh, Kalina's here. So you want to impress everybody. And you want to impress Kalina. So that's why. So that's why you're rolling in on my intro. I see how it well, is. Well, number one, yes, I always want to impress Kalina because one day I hope to win her over. Number two, you just said you were out of it. You could try your damnedest. So first of all, Matt, how are you doing? I am sleep deprived and just so out of it. It's ridiculous. But I understand. I understand. And and how's the week been for you so far? Eh, it's 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 been a good week. Been a good week. Been spending some time with Kalina. Been. Not getting a lot of sleep. Oh, that's good. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. Well, Kalina, how are you doing? <laughs> Son of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fantastic. Oh, yeah? Spending a lot of time with Matt, I heard. From yeah. the grapevine. Mm-hmm. How's that been? I apparently don't do as many dishes as I should. So. That pizza's still in the fucking fridge. Pizza's still in the fucking fridge. God when, damn it, Matt. When you came over like a week ago. So our first thing we've got up for tonight is Arabian Nights. So the word is circling about Disney prepping an Aladdin live-action prequel. Genies is set to be a story about the Blue Wish Giver and his world before he was rubbed out by Aladdin. Are you interested in this whole new world? Ah, did you see what I did there? I did, and I read it out just so the audience could realize how stupid that sounded. Let me tell you what one of my, like, not that I hate it, but one of my least favorite Disney movies is. Aladdin? Really? Why don't you like Aladdin? It's not that I hated it. It's just, as a kid, I definitely did not watch that nearly as much as the others. She was scared of men without nipples. I watch anime. Nobody has nipples in anime. (laughs) When they finally re-release Aladdin, I'm going to wind up giving it a good hard watch because it's been a while. I remember it being a fairly good film. And, of course, a lot of the magic of it was how much charisma Robin Williams gave to that film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The original Aladdin was in my top five, and... Yeah, most of it was because of Genie. Just, you know, his simple humor, his going out of his way, his impersonations, as you were saying, the charismatic form of just him being him was so great. It's not like some of the new movies where this is extravagant plot plus this little subplot. It was, hey, poor boy finds Lamp, becomes Prince to impress Chick. Chick figures it out, loves him anyway. Meets Sora, who has the Keyblade. Help Sora fight Heartless. That's right. <laughs> Saves Damsel in Distress from Jafar. Sora destroys Jafar's genie form, which should have only been in the second movie, but was moved to the first movie so Sora would have a bad guy to fight. Aladdin and Jasmine get together. Sora locks the world away, moves on. Genie decides to travel with Sora as his summon, even though Sora will never use any of his summons ever. Because they're worthless. <laughs> Matt has no idea what's happening No, right I... Now. I don't. Who's who's Sora? Um, Sora is the boy that is gonna go hang out with Rapunzel next. In, yeah, in the next game. he's the protagonist of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, okay. I don't know how I feel about seeing a live action prequel for two reasons. I mean, number one, Genie won't be Genie to us. To the new audience, I can see it. But for all the old hats, it's Genie just won't be Genie. Whoa, 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 whoa! Unless. They hire Shaquille O'Neal for Genie. I'm free. I would watch the shit out of oh that Oh my. <laughs> I was waiting to see how long it would take for this movie to be mentioned. I actually was going to put this in the notes. But 
Kalina just made a reference to the movie Kazam. It was a horrible movie. It was so good. Don't lie. If you remember the original Disney Channel, Kazam stars Shaq, and Shaq plays a genie that's trapped inside a boombox. How did he get... Was there an explanation to why he wasn't in a lamp and he was inside a boombox? No. Besides the fact that he was Shaq? No, there, there's no explanation. Because it was Aladdin in the hood. That was the point of that movie. <laughs> Just like they do a lot of other movies where they take a story, move it to either the hood or to the heart of Africa or to the heart of Japan or to Russia, and they just change the names and then give you the same story. Like Leprechaun in the hood. Jason in space. Leprechaun in space. Air Buddies in space. Interstellar in space. The Room in space. I would watch the shit out of that. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. In space. (laughs) No, like, one of the things that I really liked about Kazam was the ending. He wound up being free, but how they explained it, where he was just like how he wanted to be that creature that just had wishes, but didn't have any binding to them. So he really became like this almost all-powerful creature, which isn't really brought up too much in Aladdin. The genie is free, but it's also one of those things of in the sequels, the genie still being the genie. No, it talks about he is still a magical being, and he can do stuff. He can't grant wishes, and he's not as strong as he was. So genies are jinn, which is D-J-I-N-N. It's an Arabic mythological being. There are many jinns that do not grant wishes. There are some of fire jinns and water jinns, and pretty much if it's a demon, that's what they call it as a jinn. Jins that have royal blood were generally the ones that could cast wishes. Now, they could cast up to one to th- or three, and they cannot grant their own wishes. That's just it's how the rules work. So most of the time, like they would grant your wish, but they would do it either exactly as you said it, or in a, such a way that they granted the wish, but they still bent the rules to screw you over because they were upset they couldn't grant their own wishes. But any jinn that was set free was still able to do magic, but... The point of a wish is the wish, as long as it doesn't break the rules, can be anything. Genie, when he was free, couldn't give make Aladdin a prince. Couldn't give him all those things. But he can still like pull a rabbit out of a hat. Or make Jack Nicholson impersonations. Exactly, or Groucho Marx. Since Russell's not here, I'll bring up what he would talk about, which is the theory that Aladdin takes place thousands and thousands of years in the future. I thought you were going to say that Nathan Fillion should play the genie. Oh, <laughs> no. Okay, well, we already knew that was going to happen. But no, apparently, like, it's an internet thing where Aladdin plays thousands of thousands of years in the future. So far that, you know, technology's gone, they've reverted back. And that's why Genie says, you know, a long time ago, and he makes these references that he says are from way, way back in the past. Yeah, he knows it because he's immortal. Exactly. That's just like a fun little thing, but... So what you're saying is that in this new Genie movie, it actually is going to be Shaq. And he's going to learn all those references. That was my next question. The first thing I was bringing up, like the reasons that I wouldn't be with it was, number one, it's not Robin Williams. It's not our genie. Let me make this statement, though. The thought of, well, if it's not going to be Robin Williams, if it's not going to be our genie, like you said, let's put him in a situation where it's not our Aladdin either. So then maybe it'll be a little bit smoother if we do a prequel movie and then we lead up to an Aladdin movie. But who would I have play genie? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Honestly, that wouldn't be that bad, I'm, now that I think about it. But, I mean, this genie's not going to ever meet Aladdin. Aladdin should not be in this movie. Unless it's at the very, very end. Right. That would be a cool way to end it. 
with Aladdin digging up the lamp or something. But also, don't forget, we're trying to pick somebody that would match to our Robin Williams genie. What if this genie acts differently? If you're looking for somebody that's magical. Tilda Swinton? She's a mythical fucking creature. <laughs> well, that wasn't where I was going, but okay. Um, but no, if you're looking for some somebody magical, if you're looking for somebody that kind of like with a wink and a nod, you can feel like they've got something higher going on. Mandy Pinkerton. He would not be the Robin Williams genie. I feel like that that would be a curious thing. I don't... Don't know who that is. He's in a lot of TV nowadays. He was in Criminal Minds. He was in, he was in my favorite Minds. show, Dead Like Me. Who was he in Criminal Minds? He was uh, the main boss, Rue. Oh. No, you'll definitely remember him from The Princess Bride as Indigo Montoya. I think Mandy could do it really well. I mean, he'd still could be the the smarmy, funny genie. It'd be different from Robin Williams. It'd still be a good one. Like, I mean, that's not who they're going to cast because no. as. You just said you don't know who Mandy Pinkinson is. So, the only other thing about this that I'm kind of worried about is our genie. You know, he always talked about he loved granting wishes, but he wanted to be free more than anything. We know that won't happen in this. Yeah. So it kind of makes you wonder where are they going to go with the story? Well, what kind of master is he going to have? Here's the thing: he might not even be in the lamp. Yeah, a might. lot of genies in that get cursed to be genies. It could yeah. be just a regular guy, and you figure out how he gets cursed to be a genie. He could be like a temple performer that's a magician. They could pull a Jafar. Remember where, you know, he finds another lamp and his very last wish is that he wants to be as strong as that guy was and do all those things and he gets trapped in a jar. They will obviously have to pointedly make it to where, at the end of it, you're where Aladdin was. In order to do that, you have to have some kind of arc that's going to lead to that. Which means it's going to have to, in some way, be somewhat of a tragedy. Now, you could always do a spin on it where it's one of those things of he sacrifices himself and becomes a genie at the end. Or the, his previous master was going to set him free, but then something happens and genie convinces him, look, make the wish to, to fix this. Let, I'll, I'm okay with you know going back in the lamp. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, if we went out and asked, like, kids these days who they'd want, they'd give us all these really big names and it'd be nothing like Robin Williams. But for us, it's so hard to pick because we're thinking back to our genie. One thing I do like about the Disney reboots they're doing is that they're giving us our stories, but in a little bit of a different perspective so that we can still enjoy it from what we remember, but it's still something new to us. At the same time, it's bringing a whole new audience back to what we were told when we were younger. Yeah. Back to the older stories. And I really like that. Are all the other live actions they're making going to be like prequels or sequels? Beauty and the Beast is not. It's going to be a retelling. What about Mulan? Um, they haven't said. And then there's Dumbo, which would be... I feel I feel like Dumbo is just going to be the regular story. Retelling, yeah. Yeah. They did announce uh, Maleficent 2. Where Maleficent starts getting all these, you know, princesses and stuff together for her own Justice League. Or the princesses of heart to get them together. Right. I'm sorry. I still feel like somehow this is all leading up to Kingdom Hearts movie. It is. Or they can get all these, like, big actors together with some kid. Because, I mean, they can't get the voice of the kid anymore because one, he's not that old, and two, he's a little fat guy now. <laughs> what, Haley Joel Osment? Have you, have you seen him recently? No. He's a little fat kid. <laughs> Like, he still looks like he's 12 in the face, but he, he's a little fat kid. A new trailer's come out called The Night Before. This is starring some really funny cats. It's Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Seth Rogen, and Anthony Mackie. Also an awesome director. The one that was going to bring us the interview, but he couldn't because, you know, 
King Jong Il has a stick up his whatever. North Korea's resident pissed off fat kid is what he is. And apparently, since he doesn't poop, I don't know where he's got his stick shoved up and stuck. But we'll figure that out. True fact. Why he doesn't, doesn't poop? he poop? I, he what? Poop. Um, according to you know his government, he doesn't poop. They have literally written a statement. Yes. Why? Because that's what they do, Matt. They lie. They think that he's like a god. Do, does Obama poop? Yes, because he's an um, he's a man. Because <laughs> he's an American, and every every red blooded American. Trent, I've been to America. You all poop. <laughs> it's weird. I had a friend in high school that believed that cute girls did not poop. No, they just go in there to talk to other girls. Yep, exactly. So first of all, I gotta ask, what'd you think of the trailer? I thought it looked pretty funny. I'm a pretty big fan of Seth Rogen, even though like I won't tell everybody and their grandmother that I am. It's like one of those like guilty pleasures, like. I don't outwardly say I find this shit funny because <laughs> it's stupid and you know it's stupid, but you're still over here giggling like an idiot whenever the trailer drops. But I mean, I love all three of those actors, so. I think it's interesting to see him running around with. Someone not James Franco? Yeah, someone not James Franco. But it does still seem like he's kind of doing the same thing. I can't complain about him doing the same thing because Seth Rogen has always been funny doing the same thing. I mean, well, Seth Rogen's like one of the actors that when he finds his niche, he he knows it and he continues to do it. He doesn't like like that's one of the big things that with Adam Sandler that just it's really rubbed me the wrong way is like Adam Sandler had a niche a long time ago and he was really good at it. He was funny and then he said, you know what, I'm gonna step out of it once and then he could never get back into it. The difference between Seth Rogen and Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is trying to apply to the greatest common denominator like he's doing these pg-13 movies he's he's not trying to connect with any one audience he's trying to connect with all audiences this is a movie that's a christmas movie that's not a family film it's kind of a party christmas movie and that's something that's just as awesome as you know a regular family christmas movie christmas is about spending time with the people that you care about whether that's friends or family watching the trailer it shows that you know these guys have been together a long time as friends but they're slowly moving apart because people grow up and so they're wanting that one special night together. That one night to go above all nights to go all out. And it's just scene after scene. It doesn't stop being funny. And all I hope is it's not like some of the other ones where you watch the trailer, you're going, this is hilarious. And then when you watch the movie, you're going, all the funny parts, all the the funny parts are, are taken. <laughs> but I don't see it happening that way because I've watched the interview. I've watched Neighbors. I've watched This is the End. It's all funny. <laughs> I love when he's in the church and he's just wigging out. It seems like an awesome, really Seth Rogen-ish thing to do. Seth Rogen's always got that style of, I'm fucking up, and I'm trying really hard not to fuck this up, but Lord knows I'm gonna. And, and I'm trying not to fuck it up, but I'm making it worse. Yeah. He kind of does the same thing that Ben Stiller does, only you actually enjoy seeing Seth Rogen fuck up. So, Whereas with Ben Stiller, you're just like, why does, why does this guy have the worst luck? This guy has my luck. I relate too much to Ben Stiller. So, I gotta ask... Of these types of movies, you know, like we've, we've talked about Neighbors, we talked about The Interview, this one right here, this is the end. What's your favorite? I have a guilty pleasure of stupid party movies. I fucking love the Hangover movies. Okay. I love all three of them. Everybody could talk shit about them all they want. I don't know why, but I really love the Hangover movies. It also helps that uh, Ken Jeong is in those movies, and he's fucking hilarious no matter what he's in. The Doctor. Yeah, who's actually a, a brain yeah. surgeon in real life. He's a fucking neurosurgeon. And instead of doing that, he just shows up naked in the trunk of a car fighting three drunk idiots. 
He's just a funny guy. Matt, and you can go classics for this. It's 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 pretty much a goofy, raunchy comedy. I really have to go with Animal House. I mean, that's fair. Like, like if you're talking about if you're talking about something that that's that's a stupid party comedy, right? I mean, that's what this is. This is basically just a stupid party comedy that's kind of going, "How raunchy can we get this and still be a funny movie?" And at some point, I'm sure it's going to have this like point towards the end where they start to realize how important family is and growing up and blah 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 blah. But more importantly, feelings. Seth Rogen threw up in a Catholic house and told everyone that he didn't kill Jesus. Well, with Animal House. There's one scene in it that I constantly think about every time I'm at a party, okay? And it's because every time you're at a party, there's always that asshole who brings a guitar and thinks he's the shit because he brings a guitar. I actually was talking about this with Alex, and Alex was like, I don't bring my guitar anymore because I know know that that's a thing, so I don't do it. And in Animal House, there's that scene where Bluto's coming down the stairs, and he's just, Uh, yeah, yeah. like, like, and... And he's really, he's calm, he's just kind of trudging down the stairs, and the guy's playing the guitar, and there's these two chicks around him, and he's playing this really, really bad song, and Belushi just holds out his hand, and the guy hands him the guitar, and it's this very polite thing, and then Belushi just slams this guitar up against the wall, and just annihilates it, and the thing that I absolutely love about it is how... It's torn to pieces, and then Belushi just hands it back to him as if he just got done, like, barring his comb or something, and then goes, thanks, man. And then he just walks back up the stairs like nothing ever happened. No, it's, that's a fantastic scene. Now, see, mine's not mine's still not near today, but it's not that far back. I always went with Zack and Mary make a porno. Oh yeah, like, and that's one that's it's kind got of Seth Rogen about. in it too. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. It's definitely not you know a lot of people's first choice when they go to like those kind of comedies, but it was always so funny to me. I mean, it's got Jeff Anderson who is you know hilarious. He's you know he's Randall Graves from you know Clerks. He's done all this other stuff with Kevin Smith and everything, and Seth Rogen's hilarious in it. It's it's just this funny little movie about two people trying to make this somebody, and they're going, you know what? We could do this. And then they do. It's a lot like us. We're just like, you know what? We can make a podcast. And then we do. So now we're just waiting for, you know, No, we want you guys to, to know at home that if you're not enjoying the podcast, we did talk about making a porno. So just... Be thankful for that we chose the podcast. Yeah, be, be thankful that we chose the podcast. Oh, my God. Although, to be fair, we would have more viewers. Right. <laughs> I just... They wouldn't be the same ones. Zach and Mary make a porno. That's my go-to. I mean, you've got you've got so many of the ones from when we were kids growing up with uh, the raunchiness is different though. The raunchiness really, is different back then than it is now. Oh, yeah, definitely. like party movies back then are like nothing. Because I mean, you to... can again. We talked about Adam Sandler. Some of those movies were raunchy in their own right. Um, Tommy Boy. Yeah, but I think I think it is one of those things where it's imp- it's important and it's very very good now that we do have R-rated comedies because I don't. I'm sorry, but I don't feel that everything should be pointed and made for a general audience. There are some forms of entertainment that I enjoy that I don't believe a 12-year-old should be watching. So, overall, any other things about the about the new trailer? I liked it. Like I got to say, I'm it, it's it's one of those where I got the same impression that I think I've gotten for every 
like major Seth Rogen movie trailer, which is this seems like a party that I want to be a part of. Matt, Matt, you realize that if we went out and tried to party like that, we would get out the door. We'd probably make it there. I, I would give us this. We'd meet Curtis. We, we no, no. We'd Curtis say, would come with us. Curtis would always come with us. And then somehow, about five minutes into the party, party, we would leave. We couldn't find Curtis. You guys are literally the Hangover. Like I could see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which one does that make you? I mean, obviously, I'm apparently Zach Galifianakis. I'm the fat one with a beard. No. That one's the stupid one. No offense to Curtis, but Curtis would be the one to drug you guys, which is what Zach Galifianakis does in every movie. So, yeah, that would be Curtis. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Which one? Which that one would is... probably be the stupid dentist. What? <laughs> no, no, to be fair, Matt, if any of us were going to get married to a stripper, you were probably on that list. Accidentally. Accidentally. I mean, I'm sure she'd I don't be know. a nice lady. And then I, I want to say... Because Bradley Cooper's character is the cynical one, so that one would probably be Russell. And then, see, I always thought Russell was the one that you know got locked on the roof because he left everybody. <laughs> the one, yeah, I could see that the one that's like a main character but never makes it in more than like fifteen minutes into a movie before something happens to him. Yeah, it's generally Russell because he's just like, hey, everybody, I'm here. I'm gonna go away now, <laughs> and I'm gonna go hide. Yeah, you could be Bradley Cooper then. Yeah, I'll take it. It's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) Or probably ever will again. And that was the day when somebody told me that even I could be Bradley Cooper. (laughs) With the right sidekicks, even you could be Bradley Cooper. That's so sweet. Curtis is going to hate me for that Zach Galifianakis comment. But no, Matt, we would be the ones that go to a party and then like five minutes in we're just like, you know what, ready to go. (laughs) But didn't you, how much XD did you guys have? I don't know. What seven in ecstasies? You can't have that many. Yeah, we're perfectly fine. We're just that boring. It basically just kind of woke us up, and we now want to go watch a movie. (laughs) So up next, we have Revenant. So before we get into what it's actually... was that the Leonardo DiCaprio breathing movie? Okay. So before we actually get into it, we watch the trailer here. And if you go and watch the trailer right now, I can guarantee you more than likely you have no idea what the fuck this movie is about. Okay, no. So so just watching the trailer, because Kalina hasn't read the notes. Kalina, what do you think the movie's about? Leonardo DiCaprio breathing into a microphone. <laughs> Apparently in the middle of the wilderness while he's fighting the Mongols or something. Even though this doesn't tell you anything about the story of it, it does very, very much get this deep, deep sense of atmosphere to it. I'll continue on about why I enjoy this trailer, but... Go ahead, Blake. All right, so Revenant is a story of Hugh Glass, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, a fur trapper from the 1820s in South Dakota who is left for dead after a bear attack and hunts for revenge against his ex-friends, one of them being Curtis's crush, Tom Hardy. This is a revenge flick? If you watch the trailer, it looks like a cheesy horror movie. It looks like a group of men are trying to survive the wilderness against the Mongols, bears, and the cold. I honestly thought it was like an Invading America movie because I thought they were Indians at first, so I was a little confused. Let me expound upon this. Oh, expound all over me. I will expound all over your beautiful face. Hugh Glass, he gets attacked by a bear. His friends, after he's gotten mauled, are basically waiting for him to die. They wind up leaving him for dead. He survives, and then, like, this sounds like a badass story to me. 
And as for the trailer, it's one of those things of like, the thing that impresses me about the trailer is the scenery. You have to think about who's directing this film. Alejandro Inaratu, the guy that recently, his last picture won an Academy Award for Best Picture, which was Birdman. The thing about Birdman is that it's one continuous take, the cinematography, and it's beautiful. Like, it's shot very well, and it's got a rhythm to it. And I really, really like the idea of this story being done by a director who knows how film moves so well. Watching the trailer right now, you might just be like trees and woods and all that stuff. But in a theater, like if it's done right, if you actually feel like you're in those woods, you actually feel like you're running alongside Leonardo DiCaprio, who's running from a band of Indians or whoever. To have such a director on such a cold-hearted revenge flick and then have Leonardo DiCaprio playing it, I think this is going to be a worthwhile flick. He's still not going to win an award for it, though. No, it's just a game now. <laughs> Leo finally wins an award. Just then, lights go down. One light hits the stage. It's Kanye West. Because, <laughs> Leo, I want to let you know, I respect you, but Liam Neeson did a better job in taking <laughs> You wanted to win so bad, Matt. Yeah. He's an Academy-level actor. He just hasn't gotten one yet, so... I just see Matt as going, one day, Leo, you'll get yours. And then that means that I could get mine. If you can get it, anyone can. I support you, Leonardo DiCaprio. I promise you, the one thing that I will never get is an Oscar. Matt, don't say that because I'll make you get one. I'll go out of my way to make sure you get an Oscar. You go up on that stage and you accept that award and you speak and you thank me till the violins start playing. Right. I want you to thank your mother. I want you to thank God, I want you to thank me, and then I want you to say, suck it, Leonardo, and then leave. Alright, so last on our list, we have Happy Time Murders. Although in development, hell, since 2008, STX Entertainment has attached themselves to Happy Time Murders, which is a noir murder mystery with Henson puppets. It is set in a world where humans and their felt friends live side by side, but the puppets are treated as second-class citizens. Murder strikes as the seedy former stars of once popular kids show, The Happy Time Gang, turn up dead one by one. And the only man who can investigate is a washed up private eye puppet who ropes in his former partner at the LAPD. I attached a picture to this. It's this really interesting photo of this Muppet guy that's sitting on this cash register observing a crime scene in what looks like a Muppet pornography shop where this stuffed bunny just has all the stuffing ripped out of him, and he's dead. Okay, first off, what kind of porn are you watching? (laughs) This is why I don't look at this stuff. Apparently there's puppets. So number one, before we go in, we know Russell will not watch this, because Russell is terrified of animatronics. Is he terrified of Muppets? I don't know. I never asked him. Is it too close to that level for him, or I don't don't know. Like, when he hears, oh, Heidi Ho, coming to park here, does he freak out and shit? I feel like animatronics are a completely yeah, different level like, than puppets, like, though. Because Russell... animatronics can move by themselves. Puppets need someone there. Well, well I, I think, think Russell's problem is the fact that he doesn't like something that looks human that's not human. I don't think that this would be something that Russell would be terrified of. We'll see. We'll drag him to watch it anyway, just in case. Okay. So, first of all, what do you think? This sounds like, basically, Who Framed Roger Rabbit with Muppets. Which, honestly... I would definitely be foreseeing this. But to be truthful, 
I don't think this is ever going to get made. I feel like it depends on how successful a Muppet TV show is. If, like, a interest for the Muppets resurfaces, I could see something like this. Actually, yeah, you got you have a good point there. This is one of those things where you are attempting to make an adult movie that has a very weird kid basis to it. But if it did get made, yeah, I think I think this could be great. And you know how I am with buddy comedies. So. I, oh, I do. All right. Oh, I do. Make the main Muppet the straight guy and then make the detective like maybe some wisecracking guy. And then give it to where the Muppet's this drunk, dried up, kind of crusty old Muppet that, that just is working the beat. And that's all he's got left anymore. I like Muppets. I, I love the original Muppet movies. You know, Jim Henson's Labyrinth and all that. Hell, Fraggle Rock even. I mean, Muppets have always just been these fun little things. For me, it's going to be kind of weird. It'd be weird to see them in a more, especially it's a noir-type film. Like, you're seeing a lot of the more of a straight lace, the puppets. Henson was always trying to get his work to where he could do more adult things. That's why when Saturday Night Live first started, there was some Henson skits on it. Henson was great with the kids' things, and he definitely understood that he was a puppeteer and kind of what that became a part of but at the same time I think he wanted to stretch his legs and and be able to get a little bit dirtier for some reason I really enjoy taking like child elements like puppets and not necessarily like Chucky style or straight like horror but I like taking the humor of like child elements like the Muppets and stuff and adding adult humor into it especially if it's something that you know, like, our generation kind of grew up with, like, the Muppets. Like, that's why I'm so excited for the new TV show, is, again, getting to see the Muppets in, like, a more adult humor kind of setting. It doesn't have to be straight vulgar, just more, like, adult humor. Right. I mean, I agree that, like, it has a very Who Framed Roger Rabbit feel to it. Watching that movie, that movie was awesome. Yeah. It's just a funny little goofy movie. We grew up on the Muppets. We watched the, you know, the Muppet Show, uh, the movies. Uh, when they redid the first movie, when they brought the Muppets back the first time, I loved it. When they do stuff like this, they worry me that they're either going to go too far one way or the other. They're going to go too far to make it, you know, the Muppets but not Muppets, so that it's so different that it actually just is really awful. Or they go too far the other way to where they're too afraid to do something with it because they're using Muppets that they don't make it what it could have been. I don't think it needs to be this weird thing where it feels like a kid's movie, but it's not. Right. But at the same time, I don't think it needs to be, you know, Team America, World Police either. Like, I think it needs to be in the middle. And like I said, Who Framed Roger Rabbit has that feel. It does. I mean, it's it's got that kind of that, you know, adult feel to it. It's definitely my kid's movie. But it doesn't overstep the bounds so far out that you could have gone more. Like, like the booby trap joke. Where, you know, he's like, I'll check this one. He puts his hand between, you know, Jessica Rabbit's cleavage and a mouse trap comes out. She's like, booby trap. And you're just like, ha! That, that was a thing. One that I never understood as a kid was the, the patty cake. Oh, yeah, they play patty cake. Yeah, they play patty cake, which... That's how the cartoons have sex. But then you see the pictures and they're actually literally playing patty cake. And I feel like the reason why I never got that joke as a kid was because, well, first off, I don't, I don't know what sex was. And second off, I was too young to understand the reference of what patty cake was either. Well, that's like going back and watching those movies now where you get a lot of references that you didn't get when you watched it the first time. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that's like cartoons are that way too. I know we've talked about that several times. We had a night where we watched a bunch of episodes of Adventure Time. 
and wow. Oh yeah. Did we learn all sorts of stuff? So. Yeah, but like I said, this I would think it would be cool for this to be something that kind of, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, not necessarily taking taking a an eight year old to go see, but you know, taking a thirteen fourteen year old to go see, and they don't really get most of it. But it's still enjoyable for them, and then I'm sitting there going, ah, I see what you did there. So, but all right. So, what's your favorite Henson creation? Either a movie or a character, or pretty much anything to do with the Henson Company. Matt and I really love a underappreciated one. Which one? Yeah, like Mirror Mask was after Henson's death, but it's done by the the Henson Company, and it's really really interesting. Because it's it doesn't have Muppets in it or anything like that, but it's a movie that's written by Neil Gaiman. The artist Dave McKean, who if if you guys know Neil Gaiman, you guys know Sandman. Well, one of the things about Sandman is that the cover arts are all done by Dave McKean, and Dave McKean also did some of the cover arts to Hal Blazers. He's a really really interesting artist because what he does is he'll use like sketches, but then he'll also paint it over and then also use like weird pictures and he basically does this weird kind of collage art form and what mirror mask does is takes this very cobbled together but cobbled together in a very beautiful way cobbled together art and then projects it in 3d that's the world that is mirror mask it's this weird weird movie it's weird it. yeah. but it's not the kind of weird where you're just like okay yeah, it's, it's weird it's weird but like intriguing kind of weird yeah it's about this little girl and she's going through family issues right yeah she her family works in the circus and she winds up basically getting inside her head too much yeah because uh her mom gets sick or something while she's inside her head her body is at risk of being controlled by this evil her and i think it what it really is is i think it's really about the choices that kids have when they are going through a tough time to either like be themselves and try to get through it or just sort of reject and like regurgitate hate out. So, but Mirror Mask if if you're looking for an interesting flick, it's not the greatest movie, but at the same time, it's it's cool especially if you like things like Coraline. Yeah, or like or real artsy labyrinth. Real artsy or, yeah. movies with visuals cuz that was a huge thing with that movie is visual cuz like storyline-wise, there was a lot of times where I was like what the hell is going on but it was so just uniquely beautiful that i was just staring at it the entire time how about you blake i've loved a lot of henson stuff things he's done for like the muppets uh sesame street those are all henson's muppets they're all his animations he was the childhood and still is today for a lot of children but he was definitely childhood from 15 20 years ago and then he got into stuff that was a little bit darker and some of those are some of my favorites like uh, the Dark Crystal. Such an amazing movie. It's definitely one of his darker ones. You've got Labyrinth, which it can be dark, but it's still funny. It's still got this comedy to it. It's still got this, you know, they sing in it. It's it's an enjoyable movie. But then you've got Dark Crystal. It's a heartwarming movie, but it, it gets really dark, especially when you're younger and you're just watching this going, and all of a sudden you see these, you know, these vultures and these people riding in on these spider-legged things. That one's got to be my favorite, Dark Crystal, because it's just, there's so much that is going on there visually that for that time, it blew your mind. If I had to make a character, though, 
Oh, Gonzo. Oh, Gonzo. Gonzo is my favorite Muppet. You see, I was always a Rizzo the Rat fan. Well, Rizzo worked so well with Gonzo. Well, yeah, but, but Rizzo worked well with everyone. But come on. Like, Gonzo is obviously the Abbot, and Rizzo's obviously the Costello. Like, But is he, though? Rizzo seems to be the smarter one. Yeah, yeah but, like, Rizzo's the one that's always got the one-liners. I mean, that's fair. And then you got, you know, uh, Shimpy the Shrimp. So what, Beaker? His loyal doctor friend, Bunsen. Yeah. Bunsen Honeydew. Me and my sister were watching Muppet Treasure Island. And I remember her brain shutting off for about 30 seconds when she saw Bunsen. And then all of a sudden when it rebooted, all she could say for about five minutes was, He has glasses, but he doesn't have eyes. (laughs) And... For some reason, like, it never really hit me that that doesn't make any damn sense. (laughs) But, like, for, like, five minutes, she just could not contain herself about this. So, but speaking of Jim Henson, while we're on it, I will have to say that probably my favorite thing that Jim Henson ever did was the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. So. Oh, yeah. And you want to talk about a kid's film that has kind of an adult feel. That's got some stuff in it that's a little bit more harder edged than most stuff. The way that he did those puppets, the way that he did those suits, to where each one of them had a different personality. Each one of them had a different voice. That's the thing about Henson was every single character that he had all had a part to play in his stuff. Like, I mean, you don't see a lot of them until you get to The Muppet Show because that was where you could really show off some of his other puppets, but... I mean, you always said your main. You had, you know, Kermit, Piggy, uh, Gonzo. Animal. Oh, yeah, of course, Animal. Fonzie. Fozzie. Mr. Fozzie, bye. They were great, like, in all the movies, and you'd see little off-shoots, but, but he really did take the time to make sure every single one of his puppets, even, even Sesame Street, had their own personality, had their own way that they did things, and that's what I like about now, that even though he's gone... Everyone that does stuff with them, they they always talk about it. They go out of their way to look at what each puppet, how they moved back then, how they acted, to make sure that they could keep up with what his vision was for all their stuff. He is the essence of a creator. Right. And, and that's really what it comes down to. When you create such characters, you are a visionary. And it doesn't matter if it's, if it's puppets. There are creators that... You know, they're not directors and they're not actors and they're they're behind the scenes, but they're so behind the scenes in such a miraculous way that they actually affect everything moving forward. There are kids' movies that will always have something to owe to Henson. I feel that's pretty much all we've got for today. Um, it's been fun. It's been it's been difficult for a lot of us. Matt and I have been barely functioning well i will say this i think we've all slowly pushed each other forward and i think we've we've gotten we've gotten a good night out of it learned a lot about movies a little bit about ourselves but mostly sleep is important children don't lose sleep unless you're losing it for the unkind rewind that's right and tonight for unkind rewind we have of course our gracious host matt we have our new official member kalina and as always I'm Blake. So good night everyone. We'll see you next time.
I think my biggest problem with it is imagining a British person in an Aladdin movie. <laughs> and then he shoots the tiger. I saw that on safari. And I was with my dad. We got him now, we did. Put him over the chimney sweep. You ain't got one. Well, get your one. A little bit of tea and crumpets. Have a lovely time. 